0: Hello and welcome to this week's Stats Podcast with me, James York, and...
1: It's the James York Show.
0: It's not the James York Show. It's the Ted Knutson Show, starring Ted Knutson. Hello, Ted Knutson.
1: I have cameras that follow me around, much like they were pitching for the, the Malaga takeover by George Clooney and some Hollywood moguls.
0: That would probably be quite interesting, Ted. You, you have a lot of meetings, and you have meetings with interesting people. you would probably a ratings winner. I don't have meetings, actually. I have calls.
1: And the calls are much less interesting. So.
0: Video, videoing calls. This is boring. Well, I can't it, tell you who's have, on the other end of the phone. Sorry, you have to leave the room.
1: It, in the last year, we did sign uh, a famous, well, someone who's a fairly famous um, ex-player who's now a director of football, and I got excited about that one. I think that was that was interesting, but I can't tell you who it is because we don't officially have permission to do that. Nevertheless, like occasionally, it does come up to be pretty fun.
0: Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? Right. Anyway, uh, less of that, more chat. Now I've done far too much work. I've actually. James has done an
1: inordinate <laughs> amount of work for the podcast this week, which I believe is an apology from him for not choosing a movie that we're supposed to watch and review for like the 18th week in a row. I
0: believe it's a first. Uh, yeah. No, we both we both got flights coming up because we're both in Boston next week for Sloan and I think we both (laughs) what did you pitch me this is the most
1: ridiculous thing I did I I said James you need to choose a movie and James said
0: I said are you flying Norwegian (laughs) because that's where we flew and he's like yeah I was like, pick some shite off their in- in-flight <laughs> menu because like it was dreadful last time. Absolutely, dread- there were people around me watching the Lego movie. I think just because it was like, well, what, what, what could I watch off this list of Anna dying films? And
1: that's a good
0: movie. It's alright if, if, if you're if you're nine. But do you know what I mean? It was it was that you could see like people have gone through the same process of like, I guess I'll watch the Lego movie because that's the best thing that's on there because everything so- else is dreadful. But.
1: Completely abdicating your responsibility to choose a movie, you are now giving it
0: to the Norwegian Air in flight system. <laughs> they need to up their game. You hear me, Norway? Right, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Still not sure. <laughs> Well, think again. I did actually look at. You asked me this yesterday. I looked at a list of like box office, like big box office films that I could like slam, and they're all the same. They're all the same films. Areas we've already covered. So to we speak. can review good movies too. You know, it doesn't have to be bad. I know. I thought box office bombs that might be fun, but they just looked all looked, all looked horrible. So it was like, yeah. <laughs>
1: we're gonna end up we're gonna end up at battlefield earth here and then we're just like.
0: that's okay i haven't seen it we could do that anyway <laughs> let's not agree on that let's not agree to waste waste our lives on that we'll come back to it we will um anyway let's talk let's talk who's in sixth who's in sixth fifth you mean we
1: we haven't we haven't talked about this since the since now sixth sixth, now, isn't it? it became relevant
0: yeah, you, you hinted on this before we started. Obviously, Man-, Man City currently, currently unlikely to be in next season's Champions League. The who's who's in fifth segment now becomes who's in sixth. Um, people were were saying suddenly it became very relevant and
1: uh, it was prescient of us, which it, it it's the it happened by accident and occasionally we do dumb shit that ends up paying off. So, you see,
0: uh, people were <laughs> saying about that. I think, it, I think that was me. <laughs> I like that because I was pleased about it. I was like, yeah, this oh, is good.
1: We look clever. Well, that makes it much less interesting. I'm sorry, yeah. listeners. They, they I would have noticed. something know. James said. Right, yeah, so... So, anyway, Manchester City uh, have currently been banned for the Champions League for two years. There's all sorts of discussion around whether or not they will actually be banned or will be banned for a short period of time. There's an appeal that will happen with uh, the Court of Arbitrage for Sport, something like that. Um, <clears throat> but, yes, yeah, so fifth now... Continues to be relevant and, and six will start there. Who's in six?
0: James? Tottenham. Tottenham are in six. It is actually really packing up. I mean, obviously, Tottenham lost to Chelsea, which is a shame from my perspective. But, you know, Chelsea are only a winner, basically a win ahead of Man United. Man United got a better goal difference. Tottenham, Sheffield United only a point further back. Wolves are there. Arsenal, Arsenal are even in touching distance, having gone, not won many games, but started to win games and won two on the spin. Burnley have won four out of five and they're, they're, they're you know, there. Even Everton, you know, you could schedule tightens up a little bit but you know they're not completely out of it five points covering those teams and that's fifth place so fifth place it's, is true. Interesting. it's only five points so oh. i
1: i had a brief think i was like am i do i have a chance on my bet now like seeing that chelsea, yeah yeah quote unquote we're struggling uh i had a bet at the beginning of the season with james that arsenal would finish better than chelsea because i had some questions about um yeah you know, uh Lampard and also the uh the transfer ban and Arsenal I was actually pretty punchy on the players that they signed in the summertime and like Emery kind of ruined that but I looked at it and I'm still like 7 points back
0: so. Chelsea they're, they're in a in between a rock and a hard place at the moment it's hard to know like uh, they've kind of had the season that that a lot of people expected I think I probably like estimate them slightly higher and it feels like they've kind of drifted a bit in mid-season. Obviously, last night's Champions League crushing at the hands of uh, Bayern, who we're going to talk about in a minute. Um,
1: All I want to say is it was nice for that crushing not to be Arsenal. Because <laughs> it feels like that happened for so many years. Yes. No, no. Let some other London team take this one. Yeah,
0: and obviously Tottenham got absolutely annihilated in the in the in uh, their fixture um, before Christmas and stuff. So, yeah, Bayern coming and beating up teams in London. Not a new thing, uh, but... They yeah they look really good. I mean yeah I I don't know what to think about Chelsea really because you know they've lost 9 games now. You know they, they, it all looks a bit par and you know if if you're Chelsea manager you have probably got to be slightly edging towards a little bit better than that even if they've taken a bit of a a, a time out this season and a, and a transitioning. So yeah, I don't know. Look, if you out. took
1: if you gave everybody this
0: position pre-season they would bite your hand off, right? That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. If if they've got forty-four points and they're somehow fifth or sixth, then it's like, mm. but they're fourth. And as long as they stay fourth, then you know that's an, that's an argument strongly in in the favour of uh, what's happened, whether you like it or not. Anyway, and, we-
1: and Leicester, who everybody feels you know they've also struggled, they've got one win in their last six or whatever, um, two draws in that period of time, they're still. Six points plus an amazing goal difference clear of fourth and uh, and nine points clear of of fifth. So, you know, Leicester are basically, they've got that lovely downhill coast straight to the finish line. Shouldn't be any major problems uh, on the way. Sheffield United, I have to feel a bit frisky, right? (laughs) They're they're like, you know, with with the the city uh, issue uh or potential banning. Uh, they're like, "Wow, we've like we got a chance. Like this isn't like a little bit of a chance. Like we have a real chance to get yeah, there." Yeah. And and you saw them sign sign a player in the in the window that we thought was pretty good. Um yeah, I hope that he succeeds in the Premier League. we never quite know. Um so yeah, anyway. Um don't want to spend too much time on that, but I I you know, things have changed since the last time we talked and and James unfortunately i had to give him holidays it's it's you know legally mandated here in the uk that i can't work james every single day so uh <clears throat> yeah he took a holiday last week which is why we did not talk to you because we were also somewhere else where were we last week when we would normally record a podcast
0: We could talk about that now as you went to leicester which was good uh leicester leicester had the, I can't remember what it was called now football was it football insights conference something like that tactical tactical insights yeah that was it yeah uh and that was that was great. Uh, Organised by Mladen Sormaz, who uh, is their head of an- analytics, and I'll always always. Uh, throw back to the fact that he wrote for the site once because uh, uh, alumni of Statsbomb Great to great to see, but yeah, he, he did a great job getting a lot of people in the room, a lot of football people in the room, and you know some high-profile presenters: Barcelona, Arsenal, uh, you know Chelsea women, uh, Germany national national. I think, was it Germany national teams represented? There's a lot of people in there. And, U21s. Uh, so yeah, right, yeah, yeah and um, I think I missed that when I was I was I was chatting, but
1: <laughs> Stefan Stefan Kuntz who. Uh made fun of his own name in English. Uh, <laughs> he, he was actually really funny. I, I, I actually enjoyed most of his thing, although um, it was one of the interesting things about that conference was that a lot of the tactical insights elements um, certainly featured some data focus, which I think was a first time for that and, and quite unusual. Uh, we did not have Roy Hodgson talking about how much he disliked data <laughs> um, as, a, as a featured speaker this go-around, like we did four years ago. But uh,
0: yeah, but yeah, it was a very good good event, and we went up there representing uh, us ourselves and and the company and such. And you know, had lots of good conversations with uh, various customers and uh, potential customers. So you know, that was that was pretty good. And um, you know, hopefully they'll hold that hold that again. And um, you know, it's a good chance to good chance to get out there and meet people. As it, it always is, these these events are. You know, you 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 tend to see some of the same people. Uh, James is a man of the people. <laughs> very sociable person very sociable <laughs> goes out amongst
1: them asks them their opinions talks to them on a regular basis as if he was a normal person <laughs> but we all know that he's not
0: ted you ted, you always try to get me to, to 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 record podcast segments don't you at these things and uh, it's hard because like football people tend not to want to come come out from behind their rocks and uh <laughs> expose themselves to the the potential kind of wrath of the fan kingdom uh i understand that that's fine. We're going to schedule podcast slots at our own conference in October,
1: assuming that it doesn't get cancelled for coronavirus reasons. Um, we are. So, Ted, uh,
0: Ted's of a way to get me to do this. <laughs>
1: he's, he's going to talk to people ahead of time and book slots for them. Uh, anyway, I actually really liked the Arsenal presentation uh, that happened at the Tactical Insights conference. There were three people on stage, uh, including, I think, two academy coaches uh, or maybe one academy coach, one analyst, and one Sarah Rudd. Uh, Who's a longtime person, uh, VP of programming and analytics, something like that. Some very fancy title. Um, but she's like old school, early wave analytics and has been inside of Arsenal with DNA for nearly a decade, I think. Quite a
0: long time now. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good point. I was thinking that, like, you know, it's a long time like StatDNA have been at Arsenal now. Very long time, you know. That's time has gone by. That's, I have little more to add to that, but yeah, so. Thanks, James. That was <laughs> that was
1: a lovely contribution. I appreciate that. I was talking about Arsenal's presentation. I believe. Go on. So yes, uh, <laughs> they they talked about uh, you know not using uh, data with the first team, but using data in the academy, which uh, is the first time I've seen anybody really talk about it. Something I thought a lot about back when I was with uh, Michelin, who have a, a very good academy. And kind of talked about how we might want to structure, you know, collecting data from the academy and evaluating the players and giving them, you know, data driven coaching and, and feedback and things to work on and stuff like that. And they they you know, kind of talked about exactly that type of stuff. And it's interesting because, you know, Arsenal have gone through a number of different heads of academy over the last, say, you know, six, seven years. Uh, now, I think Marcel Lukasen is the the one who's there and is pretty impressive uh At least for most of the things that we've seen, uh, Nikos also rates him uh, one of our tactical analysts and uh, technical scouts inside of stats bomb. But anyway, it was was cool to see that there. And then I laughed about it and I posted it on screen because there was a radar. Did you like it (laughs) because they had radars that
0: looked like outrageous head? I bet that's why you liked it.
1: (laughs) I liked it for other reasons. And I liked the fact that Arsenal have a really good academy that is producing talent now, which feels like a long time in coming. But yeah, I like that a little bit too.
0: I think it's in related to this. I think I think it's it's interesting. Like you know, you can't you, kind of, you want to collect data, but then you want to be careful with how you what you do with that data, and especially with like you know young players developing. You want to get a window into understanding how they're developing and you know parts of their skill set, um, but then. It's interesting because you probably don't want to make like too many hard and fast decisions based, uh, you know. But you certainly wouldn't make a hard and fast decision based just on data. But uh, it's hard not to be influenced once you have data. Is that that's that's an interesting little kind of uh, subplot to the whole kind of like data and football uh, thing. Is it's a when you when you you know should actually kind of uh, lean into it and you know value value your outputs highly, and when you should be slightly cautious. And I think that's uh, that's something that football uh, continues to kind of like. Uh, wrestle with a little bit and there's definitely you know w- this is where kind of expertise comes in and you know in the wrong hands i'm sure Over the, uh, this is i've thought this for a long time if you go back to a de- literally a decade and you you would you kind of reviewed the the stats implementations within football kind of uh sphere back then when you know various kind of like false starts were made i imagine you know it soured the soured the kind of uh, the whole whole kind of genre a little bit with when people just came in with weird shonky ideas or lent too heavily into the data. So uh, yeah, it's in- interesting, interesting that uh, how how it's developed over time and people would be a little bit more kind of cautious and considered and and realizing uh, you know the, the the benefits are perhaps a little more subtle at times and especially around youth development. That's the thing. I think you know you have to be it. really careful. Like mm. you know
1: players definitely develop at different speeds even as they get slightly older. You know. Development isn't linear. And mm. we talk about this over and over, and you know, Driveline Bases talked about it for a long time. Uh, some people we respect, respect on the baseball side of things. And it's, it's absolutely true. Like, you don't really know exactly when somebody is going to switch on or not, or if they never will. Uh, but you're always looking for a little more information to help you make decisions. And you know, I, I think back when I was maybe my first year with, with Brentford, there was this presentation from Alex Gross. Uh, who I think is the head of still the head of sports science down at, at Southampton. And he was showing this, uh, basically this 12, 13, 14-year-old kid. And he was just showing him like running to a line, bending down to touch the line and then running back. <clears throat> and they had this this video of him over the course of three years. And in the third year, he runs the line and he just completely falls over and then you know goes to do it again. Like this is a very basic drill. But what he was saying was that um, you know, in addition to relative age effects and stuff like that, when players hit their growth spurts, it's actually one of those times where they no longer know how to play football. Right. <clears throat> and <laughs> and they, they would see in, in the academy or in the, in the satellites and stuff like that, like kids would just get cut during this period of time. And what happens basically is two things. One, they don't know where the ends of their feet are anymore. And you can imagine that that might have an impact on your ability to play football if you actually don't know where <laughs> your feet end because you've grown so quickly. So, like, if you have like an explosive growth spurt, say three, four, five inches over the course of six months, which is you know, not abnormal for boys, uh, but something that you know happens to almost every kid. Like, they just you you can't cut them. They they instituted like a rule where you can't cut the kids out of the academy if they were either ongoing or, or just had a, a gross period for like six months because it would take them time to relearn the mechanics of how to do stuff again and it didn't mean they were suddenly bad players it just meant that they were confounding all of the things that coaches usually look for in these kids about how they play right. and they suddenly look much worse and you don't know why. And the other thing is when you have that type of growth sport and when you're when you're in that period of time, you're much more likely to get injured for various reasons. Um you know, your body's more fragile and it's dealing with a whole bunch of shit that <laughs> you know, kids can't really process. You can't fix the fact that your body's like doing Crazy things. Um, I think anybody who's been through puberty kind of understands that inherently. But from you know an elite athletic perspective, it's kind of a crazy thing. So anyway, this, this all folds back into the fact that like player development is really intriguing it's nonlinear. there's tons of confounding factors sometimes kids just like don't care or don't like it they're pushed by their their parents yeah, yeah. sometimes they just switch on at a certain point and they figure it out and you're like what the hell happened to you like you were you were just an average guy like maybe just barely in our academy and suddenly you're the best player in your year group like uh, why and that's a normal story it's not abnormal
0: but you don't know when it's going to happen or if and that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, there's 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 also the difference between football ability, just raw football ability, and the ability to play football. Which uh, you know, the difference between being someone who's who's uh, you know incredibly good player uh, with a ball on their own and fitting into a team, uh, you know, and especially like an eleven man team on a huge pitch and all the tactical requirements and all these things. So that development that you must go through, you know, from kind of like you know your young years through your teen years, uh, coming out the other end and you know potentially. uh, developing into being a professional footballer Um, yeah it's a it's a a long road and it's quite a challenging one and
1: yeah I think we've been pretty smart over the years you know off and on or you know many different times and part of it's been like luck we just kind of stumbled on some stuff fairly early on that was important but there are times I've definitely de-emphasized things that I thought were more important over the years for other stuff or things that I discarded initially as, as thinking like that's a pretty big deal Like now, or not a big deal. Like you're like, oh, that's just overrated. Now I'm like, yeah, well, actually there's like a lot going on here. Uh, And that that kind of feeds back into the fact that, you know, player evaluation is tricky and you have to be careful about a lot of different things. But it's also not that tricky. Like, you know, when when you narrow down to the things that really matter and you realize that football is a passing game and, you know, it's nice to have athletes and athletes are, are important. But at the end of the day, you know, being a great athlete and being a great dribbler only has so much of an effect versus actually being a great passer and moving the ball, and great decision making, and stuff like that. I know James, that you did a little bit of work on this whole dribbling thing, so maybe we should talk about. What that did now.
0: I do? I just did a little quick thing because I was just I was just interested by it. So I think Nick Nick uh, Dorrington, who runs the Spanish site, um, he's asked he asked he just asked me like who's who's carrying the ball into the box. So I, like I did that did that for him. That'll probably pop up on the Spanish site somewhere. And I thought let's have a look at let's have a look at it, let's have a look at it uh, in our league. And, um, yeah, so, so I've, I've just done a quick little chart. And on the one, you know, X, Y, carries into the box per night. who's just running into the box uh, with the ball at their feet? And then successful final third dribbles per night on the other side. So some of these things will, like, cross over a little bit. They're, they're, they are related. But it's interesting to me because what you've got is you've got the... <laughs> I'm mean, just gonna light light up Ashwin Roman on it because he loves his loves his dribblers. But uh, uh, you've got your Wilfred Zahaz and your Adama Chores is like the they beat men in the final third. They do this quite a lot. But then uh, the, the, so they rate really highly for the, the successful final third dribbles. Uh, Musa Gineppo is an interesting one there as well. I think uh, for the minutes cut off, I got he's the highest. But on the other side, like you know, getting the bo- run, getting running and getting the ball into the box. That's that's actually quite useful. Like you know, if you, however, you, if you can pass the box you can run into the box any of these getting into the box <laughs> successfully like that's i like that that's a good thing anyway uh, by some margin by a considerable margin uh raheem sterling comes out top for that uh, as you know just carries into the box per per 90 minutes nearly four uh, nobody else ab- w- above like say about a thousand minutes gets to get us above i think three and uh, there's a couple of players that are with less minutes that do like hudson adoy uh, and El hernandez are both players that seem to have managed to do that this year but yeah and that's interesting because i think this hits into two things one Raheem Sterling's an elite player, uh, obviously, but also uh, just space. Like you plays for Man City, he, he hovers hovers wide. Uh, they they cannot they can break fast if they want to, uh, but yeah, you can you can quite quite easily envisage like Sterling picking up the ball, kind of like wide on the left, and and driving forward. He might not necessarily be beating players, uh, you know, in the. Technical kind of, uh, not well, not technical, but you know, kind of like the stat version of dribbling, past players, but he will like, um, you know, actually advance the ball quite effectively into the box, and um, yeah, it, 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 it was, it's just interesting to me the the difference between we're almost t- we're almost tied a little bit to like how uh, the stats are, are defined um, or people think they're tied to it as in you know a dribble is you have to beat a man but if you're moving forward towards the goal into space and that's equally that you know probably more valuable and uh yeah so i just i just thought it was really quite interesting that raheem sterling came out top and top by a huge margin uh compared to anyone else uh, In yeah
1: there's like a whole Spain. lot of things going on with that right like you know in order to be the man there has to be someone there and so like context comes into play like you know there is an element of if you've got tracking data you tend to find out like where is the the defense that you're playing clustered and and you would say you know oftentimes like city face packed boxes like almost constantly right but like we also see them counterattack they they somehow manage to counterattack regularly which is which is a funny sort of thing like it's not really you know, how does that work?
0: <laughs> and, but was maybe, multifaceted sport there are different stages yeah I mean that's yeah, the thing yeah. isn't it every, everyone maybe give up corners on purpose just so you can counter them. That's a kind of like wild out of the box out of the box though, that's, isn't it? that's the old
1: school Mourinho thing right right like, let's let's defend a corner so that we can counter attack and like every chance that we get like we're gonna run with it. Um, not sure that happens necessarily anymore. I'm not sure that Tottenham actually have anybody who can run.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they yeah they they're, they're injured but no definitely if you think of Morris on uh, Bergwijn uh, yeah you can see how how he might want to want to Ali as well quite you know been quite an athlete at times you can see how he might he might be rolling back the flavor on that once he Well gets there's also the opportunity element too like can we get the ball forward
1: so that you actually have the ball in the final third or near the final third to be able to do these things and and that's a different thing like that's the West Ham problem where they just don't have a midfield and as we've noted many, many times on, on the podcast, like having a midfield over you know seven, eight years of study now seems to be a valuable thing. Uh, we recommend midfields.
0: Harvey Barnes comes up on this as well, I know you like harvey You, you, I love you harvey stuck his Barnes. radar the other day and it was, it was really quite impressive, wasn't it, it was like, okay. that's okay. because
1: he's really good, yeah, he's been really good at every team that he's played for. He's been possibly like especially in when he's been out on loan, he's been basically the best player at a couple of different championship clubs, and you know one at the bottom end of the table one at the top end of the table, and you're like these. he could definitely play for Leicester no problem. Uh,
0: William I, I, who else? yeah, William and Pulisic as well. I, you know, it feels it feels like, you know, carrying the ball into the box. I don't know. I'm I'm quite I'm quite enamored with this as a concept and it's not something that has been you know, like a it, it it's not something that's been collected in the same way and put into lists of stats in the same way in all the websites that we've always got, you know kind of like looked at over the years. So it just yeah, it just feels like a a, a subtle way into that that's that's quite interesting. But anyway, Sterling well, Sterling's maybe, good. <laughs>
1: maybe one of uh, the statsbomb competitors can use AI and machine learning insights to tell us more about this. Ted, James, please. Ted. That's that's all that I ever see from their marketing arm, and um, you know, Ted, I, I think I think normal insights might be useful. Just doing like real analysis might be useful, but apparently, let the machines do it.
0: Right, I've got some I've got some cutting edge analysis to go with. All right, <laughs> this is absolutely sensational. Bayern Munich are good, and Robert Lewandowski might be. One of the best strikers in the world. That's my thoughts at the moment. And has been for like the last five years. Yeah, but years, this, year's, years. This, this year's wild. This year's absolutely wild. He feels like he's kicked up even by his, own, his no, own standards. No, he is not. His expected confused. goals are like 0.8 in the league. In the Champions League, it's like 1.2 per ninety. Point five point four shots per night in the Champions League. One point um, two is a lot. <laughs> four point, yeah, four point four in the league. Whichever way you look, it's like yeah, he's you know, he's getting on a bit, but he's absolutely knocking it out of the park. And um yeah, but interesting Bayern beat Chelsea last night, obviously handily, and he does this this thought about like, hey, okay, right, you know, how far can they go? And I was thinking like obviously Liverpool. I think Liverpool, uh, you know, the team that no one would want to face right now. Man City are interesting. I, I don't quite know where Man City are, but they're always going to be dangerous. And especially if uh, if Pep can motivate them to be like, you know, this might be a last chance for a while, guys, then that might help. And then Mr. Champions League, uh, the Champions League man Zinzín Zidane's back in the fold. So whoever comes out of that Man City-Real Madrid tie, you know, you've got a fancy to go deep into this. But yeah, Bayern, buy- again, having having like, you know, not really, like kind of impressed in Europe for a little while. Quite also
1: like being in a very competitive race in the Bundesliga. <laughs> Let's not forget that like, they're yeah. they're fighting for once.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, I, and that's that's weird. Too. It, I, in my mind, I've 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 got you know Spain and Spain and the Premier League is, is like significantly ahead of the other leagues um, as you know quality wise. And it's funny because like I've I've made a note of this. I think Germany have played six uh, Champions League and. Uh, Europa League matches in the in the last uh you know week or two and they've won them all, so immediately everyone's like, "Oh, German league, <laughs> Bundesliga is strong." And it's like, "Yeah, no, <laughs> there's more to it than this." But you wonder, you know, these, these, you know, it is the one time I made a joke about it last night that you know, this is this is how people rate leagues, so, you know, a couple of results in February or March. But you know, these, this is the one time of year where where you kind of like get a window into like how how teams are kind of progressing by how they face off against each other, and you know, when when by and coming absolutely. You demolish uh, Chelsea to go along with demolishing Tottenham early in the autumn. Does that say much more about Bayern or less or more about the, the English teams and their struggles? I'm not sure, but it's yeah, it's, inter- it's interesting to me anyway. Premier League is is weird, and we know that.
1: And Chelsea are squishy. I think is how I would refer to it. <laughs> like we just we don't think that they're great defensively. Haven't no. really felt that way all season. So yeah, it's a. Yeah, well, but yes, Bayern seem like they're great. And so should this be a place where we would recommend, you know, betting on things, which we don't really do very often. We haven't done that uh, for ages, actually. No, that's true. Yeah,
0: yeah we, we, al-
1: we used to talk a lot about, hey, who do we want to bet on in the Champions League, you know, per tie. <clears throat> and allegedly we were all right at it. But um, yes, so if you were looking for a team that might have some value in them, like Bayern, possibly has more than most. There, I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean they haven't actually faced. I mean they faced Tottenham. Was it Tottenham, Olympiacos, uh, Red Star, and Chelsea, and been very dominant. And they've been pretty good in the league as well this year. You know, as they as they always are. And yeah, I mean, I am not sure. If, is they are they given a manager a new contract or not, or is that still in the...
1: Sting. I think Hansi
0: Flick is uh, is until the end of
1: the year, but he's had such a good run, and people are pretty positive about him that it seems like they'll
0: convert him over. Ted, I have so. some grave news. The markets have already reacted, by and Man City. How are Liverpool not favourite? Oh, I suppose they're behind, aren't they? They're behind against. Atlantis. Yeah, they. It's a probability thing. Yeah, sure. That makes more sense. Barcelona, we haven't talked about them. PSG, we haven't talked about them. It's always fun. It's always fun, yeah. Careful not to react too heavily to to whatever the latest result was. But um Yeah, it's... well,
1: we'll we'll see what happens when Bayern get drawn potentially against one of those teams, right? Like that's usually the where the value will come from. Like the market will not necessarily estimate it correctly the first go around and
0: And Liverpool yeah, Liverpool disposed of them quite readily, didn't they? I mean that's that's the thing. You don't want to face Liverpool at the moment. You want you want you do in fact are <laughs> the perfect team, it's like Let them go and see if they can solve Liverpool and we'll do something else, <laughs> and hopefully avoid them until until later on. I think, you know, Liverpool, Liverpool's uh, probably Liverpool's worst performance of the season was a Champions League final, so you, you could you know, if you're any of the other teams, you're probably hoping just to avoid them all the way till there and, you know, end of May or wherever, it is and hope that they they all got tired or whatever. Yeah, something else I noticed, like, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt hammered Salzburg last week. And I thought that was interesting because Salzburg obviously uh, good in their league <laughs> every season, a lot of good players, sold a lot of players though in the, in the in the um, last kind of like six months or so, so sold uh, Thor James. Well, like, what are you going to do when you sell a god? <laughs> well, this is this is it.
1: obviously a downgrade with Harlan
0: going. But yeah, they I lost
1: just, an Avenger, and now they're struggling a little bit because they're not that that level of superhero team. They're like, I don't know, the New Mutants
0: or something. I like that. I just wonder what their what their plans were. because they, they've been deep in the Europa League before, and um, you know, maybe they they probably won't. Probably won't do that this year. So the, the season's going to I just showed like an exceptional age
1: there by mentioning a superhero team that probably hasn't existed since the nineties. And also, James like didn't even miss a beat because he doesn't even know what superhero teams.
0: There are. There are aspects of the podcast where I just <laughs> have no idea what's going on and, and just keep <laughs> keep talking. It's fine, you know. This is as a professional, this is what you do. And no, I'll give them the secrets away now. What else have we got? What else have we got? Calvert Lewin. We haven't talked about Calvert Lewin yet. I'm as good as uh, Robert Lewandowski. Is that what you're going to tell us? Calvert Lewin. Actually, pretty good too. No, yeah. I mean, I've done a little look. I had a little look at Calvert Lewin because I think I don't know what watched. I watched um, Arsenal, Everton. The man's <laughs> just a force of nature. <laughs> just every time you every time you look at him, he's he's, he's like rising to about a foot and a half above the rest of the, the rest. He's of the players a on the huge pitch. problem
1: for center backs. <laughs> huge. Like I have not seen a center back pairing that can actually handle him physically. Which is a weird thing to say because, like, it doesn't feel like he gets that level of hype. But he has been, for multiple years, actually, like someone who just monsters even, you know, slightly above average centre-back pairings.
0: But Everton didn't really use him that great last year. Now, things that's are, your cue. Things are looking better, yeah. I mean, uh, not only is his fashion game on point. Less, oh, my God. Less said oh, about this Tom is Moses. why I was so
1: frustrated we didn't talk last week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fashion game on point for calvin but but there's a Do lot you want of good... to explain that comment
1: james because i know that you follow fashion closely
0: i don't but there was some picture of him looking looking sharp in america and uh... so so he and and tom davies hmm.
1: he and tom davies went to, to new york new york fashion week and fashioned it up because like honestly if you're a young footballer and like, in the instagram era especially you get the chance to do this, right? Like you definitely yeah. should do this. You shouldn't just wear your training duds all the time or whatever. You know, you're not just like a tracksuit dude. Double don't denim, don't Man Double denim.
0: Shoe. The other side of the coin. Oh my god. <laughs> <coughs> they were on
1: work release program. I'm sure. Like that. There's only that's the only explanation that I can find.
0: Man, what is it with football and fashion? This last week or so, it's quite fun. Hey, this is double pivot territory, Ted. Come back. Come back. Right. No, no. Look, it's. <laughs> i'm I'm going to New York uh, on the weekend,
1: so I, this is, it's appropriate um but yeah, so so anyway they're they're dressed up. they go visit new york fashion week and uh, and yeah have some interesting choices of uh of attire, and uh, did you have a strong opinion on
0: one of Tom Davies' outfits? Tom Davies' outfit was awful. I mean, that was st- for for all that I liked uh, Calvert Lewin's outfit, Davies' outfit was dreadful. Honestly, what did you say? It was terrible. I can't remember what he looked like. He's someone's nan or something. It was awful. Yeah, I was like, I was impressed by Calvert Lewin, but uh, uh, far less impressed by his nan. <laughs> This was true. (laughs) Let's talk football. Calvert-Lewin, right? What's happened? What's the difference between last season and this season? His expected goals has gone through the roof. Uh, He hasn't taken that many shots, more shots. like I think it's about 2.5 up to about 2.7. Uh, but the quality of his shots is what, what's improved, and this this is interesting because if you look at all of his all of his shots last season, the locations aren't that different. This season, he's getting into the six-yard box and finishing stuff off. He's got twelve goals this season from an expected value of about twelve, and he had six from an expected goal uh, value of about five. Uh, last season but so many more better shots and if you the the way you can pass this to to get to get to the truth of what is calvert lewin this season is if you pull out the headers last season it, it was it was all headers uh, in good locations and, and this season uh he's got loads of footed shots like in good in good locations like i think um yeah basically last season his shot map looks completely barren uh, once you take out headers from any good locations like a couple of shots in there this season I've got what I can count one to about 12, 12 shots with his foot that are all kind of like expected gold of like 0.25 and up and some of them are much better and he's got seven goals there so the fundamental difference I'm not sure how this is another <laughs> this is another thing to look into but if you can keep this up just like getting shots in good locations then the prospects for the future are absolutely great because um james, you, you just dumbed down like the entire thing that we've
1: talked about you know over the last seven years of uh of analytics you know like, just get shots from good locations and everybody else is like well you need context around that and james is like no no no
0: calvert lewin just figured it out he's just getting shots from good locations so i haven't got to that though because this is the thing i mean it, 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 we're over oh. two we're over two managers but the thing is he's, he's 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 20 i think he's 22 and like you know just just the difference between um uh, you know just natural kind of development you just wonder if he's actually kind of like made made somewhat of a leap and the thing is like the talking of his leaping like you look at players that actually win aerial <laughs> i with, was gonna let the pun lie games <laughs> but of course you had to just run right over you it. look at you look at you look at uh, players that win aerials like forwards that win aerials uh, like to any kind of volume um and he's the only one with like a, a decent expected goals and a decent like conversion rate as well um, I think Chris Wood Chris Wood wins about 3.8 aerials per ninety, and he's got 10 goals, a uh, little bit above expectation. Calvert-Loon's winning another two on top of that. This player's like someone like... McBurney's an interesting one. He's only got four goals from an expectation of seven, but he wins he wins like seven and a half aerials per ninety. But, you know, if you've got that a goal scorer who's winning aerial battles uh, as well, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty How is scared. another
1: one? That has historically done this, and unfortunately, he's struggled it at West Ham. At West Ham has struggled generally, but um, he's that also that type of player where he's you know fairly full featured.
0: Yeah, we had it. I mean, I think we slightly you you were a little hotter on him than I was uh, in the summer, and I've had this discussion with Nikos as well because Nikos is um, quite quite hot about his shot locations. You look at his shot man it's like these shot locations are very very good. This is a good yeah. thing. But he's always lacked a little bit of volume for me, and it's um, it's it's one of these things. He's like he's been more like kind of like one point five, one point eight shots per night kind of guy, and this the, the the conversation continues. Okay, right, but they're they're good shots, you know. Is are the players taking one point five, one point eight good shots? Or, yeah. And he's one of the few center
1: forwards that actually creates a significant amount of xG assisted as well.
0: Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough it's tough at. Uh, at West Ham, really. I mean, their 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 season hasn't has not been good. Um, it's funny that they all, they pushed Liverpool so close the other night because, um, like you know, there was nothing about that game apart from the actual goals <laughs> that <laughs> um, that made made you imp- implied that uh, they deserve to get absolutely anything out of it. Uh, and. It's, Good though, Liverpool had to work to to get their win, and you know uh, they certainly came on strong late and were full well, value for
1: Watching Arsenal Twitter during that match, like it's <laughs> the the invincibles element where they're all you know casually rooting against them, and they perk up briefly. And then it's just like, oh, never mind. Like, you know, Fabianski gives up a soft goal. And and then they just, you know, finish it off and whatever. But, uh, yeah, Arsenal Twitter is funny right now. It shouldn't matter. Like, you know, 2003, 2004 was a very long time ago. And yet we still have this historic element. Um, Speaking of uh, historic elements... No, that's not true. That's a terrible segue. Anyway, um, Oliver Walker had a cool piece on Statsbomb this week about League One. <laughs> and, and that table is wild. Uh, so we'll, we'll dip into this briefly before we wrap up for this week. But uh, Rotherham at the top, uh, 61 points. But Coventry, Coventry, the revival of Coventry, also at 61 points. Um, and then you get Wickham, who also feel like they shouldn't be there because like you know, almost nobody outside of England have ever heard of Wickham. Uh, on 59... <laughs> Sunderland, the, the, the slow but steady revival of Sunderland on 58. Uh, Portsmouth, also another, another you know, historic name there on 56. Uh, Peterborough, 55. Fleetwood, 55. Uh, on a huge run, the Fighting Joey Bartons. Although I'm not sure we should characterize it that way. <laughs> the, I'm going to retract that. Uh, the, the peaceful and uh, meditative Joey Bartons. And, uh, and then Oxford, like I follow a weird amount of Oxford fans on Twitter, including uh, Zach Goldman and George Ellick, and I think more people. Oxford on fifty four, so like that's all the way down to eight. And then there's Ipswich that have had ups and downs. Sorry, Robbie, um, this year on on fifty two too. But so like you know, within all of the top nine are within three points of the the championship or not championship, but in the the playoff spots. And uh, and Oliver, who I actually really love his stuff. Like he produces. Th- um work, work i don't know how about once a month maybe
0: on the on yeah, the site yeah. but it's always he tends looking at the championships he he is really good definitely definitely check them out
1: yeah and so anyway he he did a a roundup unpacking the the promotion race and and has a lot of analysis inside of there and i just thought that i i comment on it cuz it's really fun and and this race is really fun like between the championship and and league 1 it's actually quite enjoyable to follow uh the lower the non Premier League leagues, I think, in in England. Although being a Brentford fan, because I used to work there, you know, right now we've lost a little too many. Uh, solution, a few too many draws. I mean, we did lost to Luton last night. Um, seemed like two somewhat fluky set piece goals, but three draws and a loss in the last four. And you're just like, oh, every time the score update comes, it seems like they go behind. What had been a really good defense throughout most of the the year uh is uh, struggling a little bit they're they're now second best to leads uh leads amazingly like only plus 19 on the goal difference um they they haven't quite kept up their their hot start in the championship but on 62 points and uh basically three and a half points ahead of nottingham forest again more of these old somewhat giant club or giant clubs with history you know fighting to get back into the premier
0: league it's fun to see yeah, it's interesting. The metrics looks like they're shaking out a little bit there. I think I think people were quick, people were quick to identify leads as, as slowing down when, although their metrics had slowed down a little bit, they were still dominating games in the main, and they 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 will do that. Um... Flip quickly to League One again. Oh, just looking at the table there, the expected metrics. It's <laughs> like nearly all of the top ten have basically got very similar expected metrics. So you can see how it's been how it's been competitive. You know, between well, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, but about ten teams between kind of like point one five and point five expected goals positive per game. It's just like, yeah, this this could be pretty pretty frenetic as we as we wind up towards the end, and yeah, especially when you consider, sorry, um, Peterborough, Fleetwood, and Portsmouth are all like I think Rotherham have got the best metrics alongside um, those three, and they're all in that kind of like chasing pack a little bit. So, yeah, Wickham might be a little bit vulnerable. It's the
1: battle of parody. It's not unlike MLS if you take out LAFC.
0: <laughs> that starts soon, doesn't it? Is that this weekend, I think, MLS?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's either... It's in the next... Usually, I think it's the right at the start of March. Yeah, that um, feels like it's yeah. come
0: around quick. But, uh, yeah, back, back Ch- James that. is
1: looking forward to another another trek to sunny Los Angeles to, to visit the stadium there.
0: That was good. I like that. that was Sadly, <laughs>
1: we don't have any excuses to do that this year, James. <laughs> no. You just have to go to Manchester instead.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That, that will get announced. <laughs> A course in Manchester will get announced soon. So, put... You know, clear your diary for the rest of the year, and uh, <laughs> eventually there'll be there'll be courses there and Spain courses that's coming. I think we've covered all our topics, though, Ted. Um, that's it. Unless you've got anything you want to add at the end, there.
1: That's all we got.
0: Okay, that's cool. All right, more Champions League tonight. I think it's uh, City Real Madrid. That's probably probably one for the one for the football fans amongst us. I don't know what the other game is, but. I'm sure we'll be see if we can
1: too. potentially record something with uh, with crappy auto quality while I am in New York City next week uh, and then James and I will be on the ground along with Ewan um, our Chief Commercial officer Shagul and uh, Ali Fakrani who's um, uh, heads up the the data collection group down in Cairo We'll be at Sloan and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that'll be fun because like,
0: yeah do hit us up if you'll come and find us we'll be we'll be in there somewhere and we'll be around for a few days so I am on the panel. Yeah, you are. The soccer panel.
1: Uh, sorry, Will Will Gerpinar Morgan apparently is is peeing up against us for uh, a cricket paper. Right, yeah, rival company
0: well. employee Will Gerpenar Morgan's done done cricket, but they put yeah the two things the two things that uh, you know a, a European might be interested in football and cricket, and they put them against each other. Oh. I had nothing to do with that. Will, it's not my fault. So mean. Anyway, it doesn't matter. it will be good. Okay, so enjoy the. Champions League stuff tonight
1: and uh, enjoy the fact that there seems to be a little bit of light and a little bit of sun in England for once and we'll come back to you next week hopefully uh, from afar thank okay.
0: you Bye.